This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Okay, it's October, my favorite month of the year. Why? Well, I like the weather change. It gets cooler and uh, it's crisper and it's just nice, nicer air feeling. Better sleeping weather. You don't have to put the air conditioner on. You don't have to do any of that crap. You just, ah, uh, it's nice. And then the leaves start changing color and, and, you know, and then you cap it off with Halloween at the end. I mean, what could be better than that? Yeah, it's a fantastic month. And another thing great about October, and specifically the Halloween at the end of the month, is that every October, uh, the broadcast TV plays It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, which is my favorite of all the uh, children's holiday special things. I just, I think it's great. It came out in 1966, I think, I don't know, somewhere around there. Uh, I believe it was the second of the uh, Peanuts holiday specials, the Christmas one being the first one, I, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, I really like it. I think it's one of the best, uh, uh, is the best of any of them, even better than the um, than the uh, the Christmas one, which is okay, but, uh, you know, a little too religious for me. But other than that, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's still good. But the, the, the Halloween one is just terrific, because it, it really kind of captures at least the way I feel about Halloween, the, the, the way I look back on it, it reminds me of when I was a kid and, and how Halloween was. Halloween was, you know, getting together with your younger brother and your friends and going out in costumes and getting as much, as much candy as you could. We brought pillowcases and not, you know, bu- buckets or plastic bags or paper bags. Oh, well, you know, whatever works, but pillowcases is what we used. And, um, you know, we we would just comb the neighborhood, just go everywhere. We some places we'd go to twice. Some blocks were pretty good. Let's go down this one again. Huh? Let's let's do it this one again. And it's, it was it was it was good. Yeah, that's what we did. And then and the the great pumpkin had that feel. The kids went trick or treating in there, and it it was Charles Schultz who created the peanuts was from Minnesota. Did you know that? It's from St. Paul, and uh, so. I guess his his youth was Halloween looked like that to him, and he grew up in Minnesota, and of course he had the same kind of weather conditions, and so that's reflected in the cartoon. And uh, if you watch it on television, I don't know if they've changed it back to the way it was, but some time ago they shortened it because they wanted to get more commercials in. Of course, you know, more commercials, more money. Um, and in order to do that, they would have to clip some of the program out. Uh, so what they clipped was, now you remember that Charlie Brown, he has problems with the scissors making his costume. So it's all these holes over there. He's going as a ghost, but he's just got holes all over the place. And uh, and he every place he goes to for trick-or-treating, they give him a rock. And... In the original version, if you get the DVD, or we have it on videotape still, but, uh, uh, you know, we'll pull that out and watch that. In fact, I might even watch it tonight. Hmm, who knows? Uh, And, uh, you know, if you get that, you'll get the whole thing. You'll get, uh, you'll get uh, all the I Got a Rock. He gets a rock three times. That's what they show. But in the shortened version to in more commercials they cut out most of that you only see him get one rock and then at the end of the program he says i went trick-or-treating and all i got was a bag full of rocks poor charlie brown oh (laughs) anyway but he perseveres he keeps going when you watch the original version when it has all three it's funny it plays a lot funnier, and I—I I don't know if they thought, well, let's cut this out because it's kind of—it's kind of mean to Charlie. But that's the way life is for Charlie. We're all a little bit Charlie Brown. We—we all have a little bit of that. Oh, I got a rock, you know. Anyway, so my favorite part of the show is when uh, Snoopy uh, pretends to be a World War One flying ace, and he goes flying after the Red Baron, 
and gets in a gun, you know, dog fight with them up there, and they're shooting each other, you know, all that, and it's this, this very uh, serious moment of the of the show, and he gets shot down. Oh, curse you, Red Baron! And uh, he's behind enemy lines. Uh, he's on the French countryside. He's there, and he's got to get back to you know friendly territory, and so he's stealthily sneaking his way back. Now, I gotta tell you, you know, I'm a cartoonist, uh, artist, whatever you want to say, and I think that that segment is probably the most uh, sophisticated and, uh, you know, very um, uh, textural and just well done section. I mean, it's, you know, for a kid's cartoon, I mean, if you think about it, watch that segment and just and you can find it on YouTube. Uh, maybe I'll find a place to put in my my show notes so you can clip and watch it. Uh, it's 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 really well done, and it has a, it's, it has a mood to it that really f- sets a great tone. Because you got Snoopy sneaking through the grass and f- swimming across a a, little, a stream, and and then he's going through a field, and you can hear in the distance. You can hear the sound of train whistles, and you can hear shells bursting somewhere. And it's just, and then there's this, just this very low, kind of soft, quiet uh, flute uh, playing, a little tune that that you know that follows him along as he tries to get back to friendly territory. And I just love that part. It's so good. It's just, it's really cool. I just really enjoy it. And I'm telling you, it 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 must have had an effect on me when I was a kid because. It, to this day, I'm not kidding. I'll be walking on an autumn evening when, the, when the, it's cool and crisp out. I'm going for a walk, or I'm walking back from somewhere, and it's it's you know it's dusk, and you know the sun's heading down, and it's just very. It just has that feel, the crunch of the leaves under your feet as you're walking, and I, I you know I always try to find little piles of leaves to walk through to kick them and crunch them and all that. I always do that, still do it, but but. When I do that, when I, when the time is just right, when it's that kind of an autumn evening and I'm walking outside, I can swear I hear the train whistles and the shells in the distance. your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging it's time for dimland radio with your host jim dr dim fitzsimmons hello and welcome to dimland radio here in the ztalk radio network at ztalkradio.com i'm your host jim dr dim fitzsimmons remember i'm not really a doctor I just play doctor online, and uh, as I said, I don't know, a couple weeks ago or last week, that I thought I'd dig out that cold open again, where I talk about how much I like It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and, you know, and I did a cold open where I talked about how it still influences me to this day. I still do kick leaves and hear that train whistle and the, and the shells bursting somewhere you know, off in the distance. I still do. It still happens. Uh, it's weird. Uh, I do need to update it just a little bit. Uh, when I recorded that, we did just have the VHS tape uh, ed- uh, edition of It's the Great Pumpkin. We have since upgraded to a Blu-ray. So we, we have the Blu-ray now. So there you go. And what a great way to kill seven and a half minutes. <laughs> I've already done it. <laughs> I don't have to do it again. So I thought that was that was a pretty fun little bit there. Well, it's my Halloween show, sort of. I mean, there might be some ooh, scary stuff on here. I mean, I'll, I'll start with this uh, uh, scary bit. <clears throat> and uh, sports ballers, beware. It's World Series time, which is one of the reasons why October's so great. 
and and I guess uh, in recent years the beginning of November is pretty good too because usually the World Series is now spilling over into November. Uh, it used to get wrapped up in by by mid October, but now it's uh, you know the season got extended from 154 games to 162 games, and you know depending on when it gets its start and all this kind of stuff. So anyway. The uh, the the uh, world and it's added some you know rounds at the end. So back in the old days, there were two leagues: the American League and the National League. There still are two leagues: American League and National League. But it would just be there's the teams in the American League and the the teams in the National League. It's like eight in each te- eight in each uh, league, I think, of something like that. And they all just played, you know, the, within their leagues. And the team with the best record went to the World Series. And then they expanded the number of teams, and it became uh, uh, you know the, the each each league was divided into divisions. There'd be the you know the East and West, and now there's the East, Central, and West. So yeah, it's just more teams. So there's more rounds in the playoffs. So it takes a little more time to wrap up uh, the postseason, which is fine by me. So anyway. <clears throat> World Series is set to who's going to be playing. In fact, the la- the first game of the series was last night, and what we have is a series between the the good guys, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the bad guys, the Houston Astros, or as a lot of people call them now, I think a lot of people call them this, I know I do from time to time, uh, call them the Houston Cheaters. Why are they the Houston Cheaters? In case you don't know, back in 2017, during the regular season, I'm not exactly certain how it was figured out. I think it was probably some savvy fans watching the games and just going back and checking things on the internet and replaying things. And they were noticing something. They were noticing a sound. There was a little thump on a trash can was was made. Uh, and what they figured out was happening was that a signal was being sent to the guy hitting for the for Houston. So the guy at the plate, he heard that thump, and he would know that a certain kind of pitch was coming. And how did they figure that out? Well, they figured that out by having a system to steal the signs that the catcher was giving the pitcher. There was a, there was a camera, a video camera, out in you know like the the bullpen uh, uh, out there in the you know out in the outfield, trained on home plate, and they would see the signals given by the the catcher that would get relayed into the dugout and the dug you know somebody would get it on the phone or hear it in an earpiece or whatever however they did that and then they would you know if a if a changeup was coming or a curveball or something something was coming whatever it was they just do a little thump on the trash can and that would give the hitter a heads up at the oh okay look for this pitch and that would give them a better chance of of hitting the pitch uh, and Houston went on to win uh, uh, in, in the post. They went on to win the World Series. It wasn't shown that there was any kind of cheating happening in the World Series. They didn't find anything there. But it was shown that during the regular season, the Houston Astros were cheating. So that meant that the, you know the manager got suspended and fired and things like that. And, and some of the players may have gotten some little bit of a, of a punishment, but really not much. And why they're still called the Houston Cheaters is, well, you know, it's like, forgive and forget, you know, they've learned their lesson, hopefully, and, you know, let's move on, right? But it's hard because so many of the players that were on that team and may have been taking part in the cheating or benefited from the cheating are still on the team. And it's, it's hard. You know, maybe I'm being prejudiced against them and I shouldn't keep calling them the cheaters, but, you know, they just, they became the bad guys in my estimation because it's just... I mean, I, it, I, uh, I, you know, there's too many of them still on the team. So, anyway. But that was uh, uh, after the American League Championship Series, which was a very difficult series to root for anybody because it was the Houston Astros against the hated Yankees. And you know how I feel about the Yankees. I've made it very clear that I hate the organization. <laughs> I, it's an envy thing. It's a it's a angry because the the Yankees have owned the Twins so thoroughly the last 20 years or so. Although yay, the Twins won two games this season against the hated Yankees. Ooh boy, two out of the seven games they played them. That's just it's a banner year. We should have a parade. But anyway, so I you know who do I root for? Well, I just rooted for the Yankees to lose, and I guess that by default I'm rooting for the Astros to win. Okay. So, 
I, I, I suppose I'll accept that. Anyway, so the, the, the hated Yankees lost. It's another great season because it means that, well, sure, the Yankees made the postseason and they look pretty imposing. Looked like they might, you know, and they might get to back to the World Series, but they didn't. And that's a satisfying season. I know if I have any fans or people that listen to me, if I have a listener that likes the New York Yankees, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just know I'm a Twins fan, and you can understand the feeling. It's just it's an emotional thing. It's not a rational thing. Talked about that last week, I think. So it's just, or the week before, whenever. Uh, I I know, and my skeptical mind, my critical thinking says that I shouldn't be that way, but it's just I don't know what it is. Sports does that to me. So here's what's scary. This is a scary thing. Last night, which was Friday, as I record this, I record these on Saturday mornings, in the basement of the Nostalgia Zone, which is Nostalgia Zone is a comic book store in Minneapolis. We have a website, nostalgiazone.com. Uh, if you're into buying old comic books, especially those from Silver Age, Bronze Age, and, and Modern Age, uh, we've got a, a, quite a selection. Check out our website. You can become a member. You can save 10% on your order, and you can earn points toward future orders, and we'll ship just about anywhere. So, you know, put in those orders. Let's buy some comic books. Come on. The kids got to get through college. <laughs> Art school. Really expensive. Oh, oh boy. So anyway. Uh, last night, uh, looking forward to this all week long. I think it, I think it was settled by Monday or Tuesday who was going to be in the World Series. So we just have to wait for Friday for it to start. And it's just, just looking forward to it all week long. And last night, I was uh, sitting down doing some show prep, writing my notes and looking for stuff on the internet and things like, you know, just getting things ready. And I looked at uh, my watch, and it was quarter to nine. And I said, oh, shit! The World Series is on! I had missed the first four innings. I mean, that's scary. It's almost terrifying. So I... I uh, course you know put the game on and it's on fox uh and that's good because it's on i can watch it on my tv all the most of the rest of the games from the playoffs have been on some you know on tnt not tnt tbs or fs1 a couple where i think we're on fox so i i had to watch them on my laptop or my phone and you know, i don't have you know access on my tv to uh, xfinity i have a friend a friend at helps me out in that regard so when the baseball postseason comes along or baseball season I, I i watch on my laptop or my on my phone but it was nice to be able because the fox is a broadcast uh, channel uh it was nice to watch it right there on my big screen tv so i put the game on and the score was five to three houston was up by two apparently they got up five zero and in the fourth inning the philadelphia phillies those are the good guys. They scored three runs. And then in the top of the fifth, they scored two more and tied the game. And I was like, oh, good, good, cool, cool. It went into extra innings, and the Phillies won the game, 6-5. to five. And that's good because uh, Houston has a home field advantage for the series. It's a seven-game series. If it goes all seven games, best of seven. First two games are in Houston. The next three games are going to be in Philadelphia. And the last two games, if necessary, are going to be in Houston. So... If the you know the the philosophy the, the theory is or the the feeling about baseball is if you're in the postseason and you're the one you're the team that doesn't have the home field advantage through the series, taking a game in those first two games, getting at least one of them, is is a good thing to do. It gives you it puts you in a good chance to win the win the World Series. So the the Phillies have done that, and I, the Phillies have won a World Series before. I believe, uh, but it's been a while. And of course, Houston's won the one in 2017. I think that's the only one they've won. And there was the, it's tainted because of the cheating in the season. But okay. I just hope for seven games. It'll be fun. Uh, I think there's going to be a game on Halloween night. That'll be interesting. And Halloween's coming uh, either today, today or tomorrow. I got to go out and get the candy and I got to get the pumpkin and get all that carved up so I can get ready for, for the Halloween. So anyway. Let's hope we have more kids than we did last year. Oh, God. I think I mentioned this last week. We, it was pathetic, the number of kids we had last year. It was like a dozen. And you, we used to get 100, you know, 100, 120. It's just, it's, it's, it's pathetic. What's not pathetic 
is I'm going to go to my first break. <laughs> uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network. It's at ztalkradio.com. Let me get this pulled up here before I before I send it off. Uh, I will be back after this break. <laughs> Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Hey y'all, this is Tangina. You're gonna give me whiplash looking up there too. I've cleaned many houses, and I don't know what it is that hovers over Dr. Dim's house, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take his wallet away from him. And I think what we might be dealing with is the beast. Hold on, did you just say that Dr. Dim doesn't believe in poltergeists, tiny fortune tellers? Or the beast? Well, holy sh! Why the didn't somebody tell me? Anyway, Dr. Dim's a skeptic. He'll be right back on ztalkradio.com. I still think this house is clean. <laughs> We're scaring up a good time on your favorite radio station. You're listening to ZTalk Radio Network. <laughs> And welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I love that song, Keep It Dark, by uh, uh, by Genesis. That's off the first Genesis album that I ever bought. It's off of Abacab. Love that album. Uh, I'm not a big fan of their proggy stuff from before. There's some, a uh, little bit, I don't know much of it. I should be honest about that. I just, you know, I, I like their more pop-oriented music that came out. Then they got a little too much. You know, once I got to that Invisible Touch thing, I, I was off the train. I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm getting off here. Uh, I like the, you know, the, the combining the pop, more pop sensibilities with the prog-type stuff than just completely eschewing the, the prog stuff and doing, you know, Invisible Touch. Can you give me? Can you be some kind of touch? I just never... I just, you know, it's just... It's like it would, the band became too Phil Collinsy, then you know, and not enough Peter Gabrielly, I I guess. Um, you know, let me take these off. These things are creaking. My headphones. Sometimes I wear them around my neck, but they creak, and I I'm sure that sound might you know would bother somebody like me listening to the show. Uh, okay. Um. Here's here's some more sort of Halloween related stuff, and it's 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 being a skeptic. And trying not to be an asshole. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm really going to succeed because, well, it's. You know, I I listen to this podcast called the Dana Gould Hour. It's never just an hour. Dana Gould is a comedian. He's very funny. He does some really good stuff. I've seen him uh, uh, seen him do his uh, stand up twice now, I think. And he's just funny as all hell. He just really is. And uh, he's very smart. And he's a, 
about my age. He's a little bit older by like a couple of months than I am. And he, I'm listen, listening to his podcast. He, he drops these references to, especially to music, that I just go, God damn, this guy's almost me. He's almost me. He likes virtually all the same stuff I like. He's even a fan of The Who. I, I just, okay. I mean, and he mentioned one time uh, uh, on his show, on his podcast, uh, that, uh, you know, he was with a group of people. They were in London, apparently, or somewhere near London, and they're at a cafe. And the group of people he was with, they were younger than him, and they didn't have quite the same cultural references that he had. And so they may not have understood the significance of what had happened at this cafe. Uh, he was sitting. And, and you know they're having a little conversation, and in walks Paul Weller. Now you might not know who that is by the, by his name. He's he's gotten the nickname the Mod Father. Uh, Paul Weller was in this band called the Jam. Uh, later he he formed a band called the Style Council, and now he does solo stuff. Uh, he was the Jam was very much like early Who music, uh, very much like that, but had a certain punk sensibility to it a little more aggressive a little more clangy in the guitar kind of sound but then even then it was very 60s influenced as well uh really good stuff the jam was a huge band in the uk not very big here in the united states among cool people like myself <clears throat> yes they were big but so when he says he's sitting at this table and in walks paul weller he's he's kind of busting for somebody else around the table to recognize that that's Paul Weller. And nobody was nobody recognized him. Nobody knew. If I had been there with Dana, I would be looking at him like, that's Paul Weller. Paul Weller. Isn't that cool? That's Paul Weller. Be cool. Be cool. Be cool. <laughs> Just, yep, that's him. That's that human being that's made, you know, cool records that wrote Going Underground. That's cool. <laughs> so, anyway... <clears throat> So I, 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 I enjoy listening to his show. I, he used to have ads on his podcast. Now he doesn't. He does a Patreon thing. And in fact, his Patreon thing is just, just five bucks a month. It's not like a layered thing where you get special perks or something. You get some perks by being a, a, a Patreon, you, but you pay five bucks and that's it. There's no paying more, paying less. Just, just you get five bucks a month. Well, I haven't, you know, I've, I, I'm, I, I'm a patron of one podcast out there, and it's stuck in the 80s, and it's one of the longest-running ones that I've listened to, and, you know, and it's just, I, I, I give that, I give them some, I give them five bucks a month, but, <clears throat> anyway, I mean, I'm not made of money, come on, kids going to art school, expensive, remember, <laughs> anyway, so, Dana does this show, now, when he did a show before when he had ads, his was one of the only podcasts that I didn't feel the immediate need to start scrubbing through the ads. I get through them as quickly as possible. Hit the 15 second, advance, 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 advance to get through it. All the other podcasts I listen to, I can't stand it when, when uh, Pendulette does ads, when he's just reading the script kind of thing. I don't know why. It just bothers me. It just really does. It's, uh, it's again, it's an emotional thing. It's not a rational thing. It's just, ugh. And and other podcasts, and then some of the ads stuff that they 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 sell, some of the crap that you know, it's just you know like vitamins, vitamins that are just picked specifically for you. You know what you do is you take this quiz. It's not a quiz. It's a survey. You answer questions about yourself. A quiz suggests that there are specific answers. There are right answers and wrong answers. But when they're taking a survey about you. Yeah, unless you're lying, there isn't wrong answers. Where do you live? You know, uh, you know, uh, you know how many how many servings of fruits and vegetables do you eat a day? Now you might lie, but it's it, there's not a specific answer they're looking for. They just want to know about you, okay? But if they're if it's a quiz and they say who was president of the United States, uh, who became president of the United States in you know 1960 or 1861, who's you know who took the oath of office in I think it was March 1861, who was that? There's a specific answer for that, and that's Abraham Lincoln, of course. In 1961, uh, I believe it was uh, John Kennedy. So okay, so it, 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 there's that's a quiz. That's what a quiz is. Okay, that was a mini pedantic moment for you. I might squeeze in a pedantic moment later. We'll see. 
<clears throat> anyway, so I like listening to his podcast. He would do the ads, and Dana Gould, I mean, he would do ads, and I wouldn't. I just I, there's something about how he does them, or did them. He doesn't do them anymore. But there was something about it. I don't know what it is. His voice. The, there's a lilt to it. I mean, I don't care what he's selling. I don't buy any of it. But yeah. Anyway. So he does a special Halloween podcast, and as I said, his you know the Dana Gould hour is never an hour. It's, it's, it's it at, at the at the shortest is like an hour and a half. Usually it's about two hours. Well, the Halloween one is three hours, just under three hours, and he has three guests on there. He he you know. Um, uh, he he interviews them individually, or has a conversation with them individually. So you know, there's a guest for the first part, there's a second part, third part, with guests. And between the second, uh, the first and second part, there's his regular segment called uh, "True Tales from Weirdsville," in which he tells stories about you know pop you know, history in, in pop culture type thing, societal type stuff, Hollywood, whatever. You know, he'll tell these interesting stories, and that's fine. And sometimes, though, I listen to him, he's a little too forgiving of the fantasy prone, of the people who believe in the paranormal. He's a little too, I think he might feel, I get this feeling like, well, he's a little more sophisticated because, well, you don't know. You know, you don't know. Well, yeah, but Occam's razor would suggest that no. <laughs> no, some of these claims is just a flat no. Uh, and, and so I will say that his second guest for the most recent podcast that he did, which is his Halloween one, did set up some skepticism about psychic ability and seances and that kind of stuff. Did did put a fairly decent balance for skepticism before the third guest threw it, threw it right off the rails. And the third guest is someone named uh, Pleasant Gaiman, and she's uh, she's part of the punk rock scene from... Uh, Los Angeles in the late 70s, early 80s. She's part of that scene. So she knew members of the band uh, X and the Germs uh, and the Go-Go's, which, believe it or don't, uh, the Go-Go's can be considered part of the L.A. punk scene. They may not necessarily have been as you know punk as you might expect uh, a band to be, but punk is a, it's a, it's a, it's a wide range of music. It's not just uh, you know Sex Pistols. I mean, it's Talking Heads. Talking Heads were considered punk. Uh, the band Television could be considered punk. Blondie was considered punk. So it's it's not just you know just anarchy in the UK that kind of thing. So anyway, so she's friends with these people, and she's just written this book called Rock, Rock and Roll Witch. She believes herself to be a witch. She believes herself to have all kinds of things. And I will say this right at the top. So that I, again, this being a skeptic and trying not to be an asshole, she believes this stuff sincerely. She's not putting anything over on anybody. Her when she describes things from her memory, I believe that that is exactly how she remembers it. She's not making things up, not intentionally. Uh, she's not trying to con anybody. She believes what she talks about. She's sincere. She's honest and sincere. I believe all that. I accept all that because that's just the impression I got from her listening to her. She really believes this stuff. But I, I'm not a psychologist. But there's this thing called fantasy-prone personality, which you know people who have that uh, that malady <laughs> from a skeptical standpoint tend to believe in the supernatural, tend to believe in the paranormal and the pseudoscientific. They tend to favor that kind of stuff. Uh, I, 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 again, I'm not being a psychologist. I don't know why that is that they do, but they just tend to go in that direction. When something unusual happens, they look for the paranormal explanation, whereas a skeptic like myself looks for the prosaic, normal, it may be unusual what happened there, but it's not something out of nature. It's not magic. You know, as Tim Minchin had said, I think I got this. I think I got the quote correct. Throughout history, every mystery ever solved has turned out to be not magic. But the fantasy prone, who I think might be also be people that might be prone to conspiracy thing, uh, theory thinking, uh, it might be a little bit different between the two. Again, not being a psychologist, I don't know. Uh, but there's that that they tend to want to go to the magic answer, to the 
to the you know for conspiracy theorists they tend to want to go to the the deeper more sinister uh, than than you know the explanation of something than it was a it was one guy who wanted to be bigger than he was and he figured the way to do that was to kill the president and he got and he did it he managed to do it one guy he wasn't some grand conspiracy that involved the vice president and involved uh, the CIA and the FBI and the Cubans and the Russians and the mafia and all this it was it's one guy all the evidence points to one guy all the credible, good, replicable, or, or falsifiable evidence all points to one guy. doesn't point to everybody in the world except the one guy. Because he was a patsy. So I don't know. So anyway, so she made some claims on the show. And I, I had a hard time listening to that segment. <laughs> I had to pause it a couple of times. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. She claimed she had seen a UFO when she was a kid. She even brought up the scene from Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the film that came out in 1977, was it? I think it came out later the same year as Star Wars. I think it was. Anyway, <clears throat> there's a there's a scene in there where the, the little boy, Barry, who's like two or three or whatever he is, four, He's, uh, uh, he's, he's, it's the abduction scene where the aliens are coming to take him away. And, and the mother's trying to, you know, keep the aliens from getting them. And as they approach, uh, the, we, we see that ominous view of the, that the front door, you know, that, op- that opens out to the, you know, that opens to the outside of the house. And, and, and we see through the keyhole this orange light cast. And it's moving because whatever's out there is moving around that, that, that's causing that light. And then Barry goes to the door and he opens it. And we have that shot of him standing. It's a great shot of him standing in the door, looking out. And you just get this blaze, fire orange coloring in the sky with some lights moving around and the trees just being, just rocking back and forth kind of thing. It's just really, really impressive and scary and uh, an awesome moment. And the mom runs in and grabs Barry out of the doorway and slams the door closed and you know, does whatever she can to try to protect him. And you know, the aliens still get him anyway. So, so this pleasant descri- is describing herself seeing a UFO when she was a kid, which would been which would have been before Close Encounters of the Third Kind was even made. And she said she even she even referenced that shot, that looking out the door and seeing all that stuff out there, and said what she saw was a bit like that. There were different colors in the sky, but it was a bit like that. And I thought, and I'm not a memory person. I don't know about memory. I'm not uh, Elizabeth Loftus. Uh, she's a She's a uh, she's a current expert on how memory works and stuff like that. I believe I've even emailed her and asked her a question about something, and she did respond, uh, which just a quick response uh, saying that the 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 account of whatever the story is about the, somebody's memory, the account that is given closest to the event, is probably going to be more accurate. The farther away you get from the event, as you tell your memory, as you tell the story of your memory, it changes. You see, memory is not videotape. I've said that a long time on this show. Often on this show, it's not memory. It's not videotape. You don't just press. You, you know, in your brain, there's something you know, say. Oh, I want to remember the time I saw that UFO. And then it's just you know the guy that's in charge of the, the videotape machine because you know our brains are still back a few years. You know, puts the top load videotape in, closes it, presses the play button, and you see exactly what you saw in your mind's eye. You, that's not how it works. You reconstruct that memory. And so things that have happened to you since then, things that you've heard other people say about memories of seeing UFOs may have worked their way into your memory of seeing a UFO. Things you've seen in movies may have worked their way into the memory of you seeing a UFO. And remember the U in UFO stands for unidentified. Doesn't stand for space aliens or interdimensional travelers. And the same goes for UAP, uh, unidentified aerial phenomena. It's still unidentified. So, I don't know, was she conflating? Was she bringing in that scene from Close Encounters, not realizing she was doing that, and and that influenced her memory of seeing a UFO? I don't know. It's possible. Again, I believe what she says is that she's sincere, that she remembers seeing that. I believe that's how she remembers it. I'm just not so certain that 
how she interprets her experience is exactly what happened. Her next claim was about playing uh, with a Ouija board with, I believe it was Belinda Carlisle. And again, so this is years ago again. And you know what a Ouija board is? It's one of those, or it's, it's also called a spirit board. And it's just got the alphabet on there. It's got some numbers on there. It's got the word yes and no and, and hello, goodbye. It's got that stuff on there on the board. And it's a one-piece board, so it doesn't fold or anything because you don't want to get the planchette. That's the little plastic piece that, that moves across by the spirits, gets moved across the, the, uh, across the board. You don't want to get it caught in a groove or something like that. So, okay, so you, you, you have to put, the people using the, the Ouija board have to put their hands, their fingertips on the planchette. They have to touch it. They don't just put the planchette on the board and start talking to it, and it moves around all by itself. Although that's what Dana's guest claimed, that it moved, it spun around, it was answering them and all that. And I went, I don't think that's how that worked. I, I'm sure, again, I'm sure that's how you remember it. I have my doubts that's how it happened. You know, it's, it's not likely to actually move by itself. It's, it's a board with letters on it and numbers on it made by Parker Brothers or Milton Bradley. George Robb is just mentioning it on his recent podcast. I'm not stealing from him again. I had this plan before I listened to his recent podcast, so, so knock it off. <laughs> anyway, he mentioned it too, and he's just like, yeah. I mean, what? Did these guys somehow make portals to hell? It's really, because because there are people out there that really believe that the Ouija board is a portal to hell. Oh, and by the way, the name Ouija, it's said to be taking the two words uh, uh, for yes, one the French word for yes, one the German word for yes, and putting them together. Uh, Ouija is what it should be, how it should be pronounced. But somehow people start calling it Ouija. I guess that story is not true. That the word was just made up, but wouldn't it be great if it was? I mean, I might. You know, this is according to Rational Wiki. I'll link to it. They say that it was not. It was just a made-up word. <clears throat> but um, but if it was true that it's the word French word for yes and the German word for yes, what if they had done the French word for yes and the German word for no? It'd be you know we nine we nine and maybe you know just like Ouija got kind of changed, you know, we ya got changed to Ouija for some reason, that's how we pronounce it. Some people might say the Ouija, but Ouija is all I've always heard it. Let's say, be you know, over time, people just kind of, uh, you know, mess with the uh, mess with the word, we nine, to be we mean, maybe, and then they shorten it even more to weenie. Hey, let's play the weenie board. Wouldn't that be fun? Her third claim, I can look at the clock here. Her third claim was again from a memory from years ago. So all sorts of things can happen in between the event and her currently giving the story of the event. When I when I tell stories uh, uh, of things that have happened uh, to me in the past, uh, you know, some, you know, I try to tell them the, as best of my ability the same way I've told them before. So I try to keep everything the same. It's not easy, and I'm sure my some of my stories and my memories have. Inaccuracies, inaccuracies in them. Maybe a lot of them. I don't know. But anyway. So, um, so her third memory claim is that she and a boyfriend were driving through, uh, the, the, through the Arizona desert uh, middle of the night and they were pulled over by, uh, by a couple of state troopers. You know, and, you know, I guess two troopers in, in the one vehicle pull them over and next thing you know her boyfriend's being slapped into the four cuffs you know the kind around your around your wrists and ankles with the chain connecting in between and they're going to take him off to jail and they're going to leave her there with the pickup truck to wait for the tow truck to come out to take the pickup truck away why she couldn't drive it away i don't know was a pickup truck being uh impounded uh, probably i guess but she put her foot down says there's no way you're leaving me out here in the middle of nowhere alone well, I wait for this tow truck. There's no way. So the trooper said, oh, "All right, all right. We'll call in another state trooper. When they when they get here, then we're going to take the boyfriend away, and then you know, then that then that other trooper can deal with you know with you." <laughs> okay. So she's she's sitting on the back of the truck that uh, her you know she and her boyfriend are riding in, and she's sobbing. Now she believes she has an ability to control electricity. 
when she gets really emotional, she can affect the uh, electrical functioning of things that use electricity, apparently. She believes that. And again, I believe she really does believe it. I believe her sincerity. I don't think that she can. Okay, so anyway, so she's sitting there on the, on the back of the truck, and she's sobbing. And she notices that uh, the headlights on the trooper's car begin to either dim and brighten or go off and on in rhythm with her sobbing. She realizes that. And the next thing she knows, she's very upset. The next thing she knows that the car breaks down. Now, there's a clue in, how, in what she says in the story about what might really be going on. If we assume that everything she tells us about this story is, is accurate that the car started acting up while she was crying. Not that the crying caused the, her emotions caused the car to act up. I'll get to that. But if we assume that that's true, and that the car broke down, and then the troop, one of the troopers said to the other one, I told you to get the car serviced. Words to that effect. The other trooper says, I did. Got the paperwork in the truck or something, you know, in the car. It's, it, I did. Okay. But they're getting this argument with each other. She believes that she made the car break down. But the clue, if, if all this is accurate to what happened, because who knows, the troopers might not have even said anything like that at all to them. The car might not have even broken down. It's just she's going by memory. But if we are to assume that all these things are true, there's a clue in what the one trooper says to the other. Like, you know, I told you to get the car serviced. That seems to suggest that the car had some problems. And... The problems weren't taken care of because the other trooper said, well, I brought it in. So the car probably had a history of breaking down. And had it was the fact that she was back there crying was mere coincidence. To the fantasy prone, to those that want the, the, the paranormal explanation for things, coincidences don't happen. They don't believe in coincidences. Everything happens for a reason. Sure, and it's usually physics, but it, it it's not... It's just a coincidence. You were crying. You were upset. Understandable. Your boyfriend was taken away. The car broke down. Correlation does not mean causation. Not necessarily. It just happened at the same time. Your crying didn't make the car break down. I'm, I'm willing to wager that's probably likely. That, that it didn't do that. Occam's razor would say which would be more likely. Her crying and her emotional abilities uh, to control electricity caused that car to break down. Or the car had a history of problems and just broke down at the same time that she was crying. Which would you pick? Uh, and the thing I would have asked is like, why was your boyfriend taken away? They have like warrants or something? Why wouldn't they let you just drive your drive the truck away? Didn't you drive at the time? Maybe she didn't drive. There were some questions I would have asked. Why? Why? <laughs> Why did that happen? I'd be a little curious about what was going on with the boyfriend. Have I... Oh, uh, I've reached my second break. I do have another bit, another little bit from uh, this, uh, from the Dana Gould thing where I'm being skeptical and hopefully I'm not being an asshole. But uh, you'll hear that other little bit when I come back from this break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I shall be back. And blind worms sting, lizards leg and howlets wing for a charm of powerful trouble, like hell broth boil and bubble. This brew be ye only salvation from your favorite radio station. <laughs> You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. <laughs> 
Hey everyone, this is Professor Dave. I want to teach you about all kinds of things regarding science. I want to tell you about physics. I want to tell you about chemistry, biology, astronomy, math, and many, many more things. Come check me out on YouTube. The channel is called Professor Dave Explains. Take it easy. He knows a lot about the science stuff. Professor Dave Explains. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. But we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, I mistimed <laughs> that second segment. It went long, 10 minutes longer than I expected. So, let's just see what I can do to, you know, fill out the show. <clears throat> Maybe I'll go a little long. You know, Halloween special. All that thing. So, anyway, the, the last little bit about the Dana Gould Show... And I, you know, if Dana ever hears this, and like, why would he? Uh, I sure hope he doesn't think I'm an asshole. But I just, I'm just, I'm just skeptical of everything that that, that guest claimed. And then he had another story, and this time it was, it was a story from him and his his new wife. Uh, he brought in his wife to tell the story. Apparently, back during the, uh, the the height of the of the COVID, when people would go grocery shopping, remember that some stores would they would only allow a certain number of uh, uh, customers in at a time, so people would have to line up outside and wait till somebody left before they could be let in. Well, that was the case that was happening there. So they go in, the two of them. They grab a cart. They put their personal effects in there, like purse, keys, whatever. They put them in the cart, and then they go shopping. And once they get done shopping, they're in line waiting to check out. And behind them is this little old lady. She's in her 60s, I, they, they guessed. And she's got a little cart of things in there. And then she asks them, oh, could you do me a favor? Could you watch my cart? I, I want to go get something. I forgot something. They say, fine. So she walks off and apparently never comes back. It's at that, and, and, and so then Dana's wife realizes that they don't have their personal effects in the cart. All the stuff that they put in the cart as they walk through the stores, that that's all there, but they're, 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 the keys, they're not in the cart. And Dana never takes his hands off the cart. Never. Never takes his hands off the cart when they're grocery shopping. And I listened and I went, Never? Never? So his wife, I, I believe her name's Cot. I think it's Cot. I think that's how he says her name. Or is it Cat? I, anyway, so his wife, she goes back to, she retraces their steps to find their cart. Somehow, she thinks, at least the suggestion is, that some metaphysical thing happened that switched the cart. And, and Dana said, well, he's agnostic about this idea <laughs> that his wife has. She goes back and pretty much where the area where people get their carts, she finds the cart that they that, that has their stuff in it, their personal stuff. Now, as she's telling the story, she mentions that friends have said, well, you just grabbed the wrong cart. And she says it like that. You know, it's dismissing. But, well, you just grabbed the wrong cart. You went in the store... You grabbed a cart, you put your stuff in it, you moved along a little bit, maybe, maybe you didn't, but Dana took his hands off the cart, grabbed another one, and started going through the store, and you guys didn't notice that your personal stuff wasn't in there. Until you got to the checkout line. Is, is that more likely to have happened, or some metaphysical switching of carts happened because Dana never takes his hands off a cart once he gets into the supermarket? I, I Never? He doesn't help you. Get, well, she's taller than him, so he doesn't help you get something off the lower parts of the shelves. <laughs> yeah, because she's taller than him, she's going for the higher stuff. But it's and what did the old woman have to do with the story? What did she, she had nothing to do with the story? She was just a little window dressing. I, I, I don't know. Call me skeptical. 
Hopefully, don't call me an asshole. Jesus, how much time have I got? I was going to do some other stuff, but I guess I'll just have to save that other stuff for uh, next year's Halloween story. But I think I can squeeze in. Hang on, gotta get it ready. One of these. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah. This ought to be good. Well, one can hope. Geico has an ad, uh, has a series of ads, about how uh, um, you, you shouldn't stop short on something. You know, you should, you, you should you know, get it completed. And the one ad we see, and it kind of fits in a Halloween-y theme, uh, it's, it's out in space. You see this, this spacecraft. It's actually, the effects are done pretty well. The spacecraft... In space, you know, going through space, <laughs> and there's ominous music playing, and there's a group of intrepid space people, humans, uh, making their way through the uh, the craft, and they've got weapons, and they're talking about, you know, I guess they're stalking some kind of alien creature that has gotten on, gotten on board, and they have to they have to find it and get it. And so they they're going through these corridors, and then they get to this this part where the creature is, and we see this this set that's like it's just like an open area of the ship and and in there is a guy dressed in a green outfit with ping pong balls all over it it looks like he's a green lobster kind of thing and he's walking around saying well i i'm a creature i guess and i'm menacing the place and he's walking around just saying stuff like that he's very lack lackadaisical about it not very not very scary and then the crew that we see they all go oh meh. And they kind of walk away like, what do we care? That's what we're scared of? And then the voiceover says, when you're making a a sci-fi movie, you finish the special effects. Okay, what's the pedantry? The actors don't see the special effects until after they've done their part. They don't see them. They might see. They might be given. You know, this is what the creature is going to look like, so they they know what they're acting against. They know what they're reacting to. Is but they don't. They don't see the special effects. So as far as those actors would be concerned, that guy walking around just kind of lackadaisical, being a monster. It's going to be a really impressive monster. They just have him moving around, you know. And and who knows? It's a different set. You don't see the actors in the same set with the guy, so they might not even be there. They might not even be on set. This guy's just doing his thing. He's over somewhere else with the the assistant director directing that shot, and not doing a very good job at it because he's got to get this guy. Look, you got to act like you're not. What's his name? The guy that uh, circus is that his name? The guy that does uh, the Gollum and the apes and Planet of the Apes and you know that guy. What's his name? Uh, Anthony Circus? Is that his name? Certus? No, I, yeah, it's something like that. It's, he's great at doing this kind of stuff, and he acts it. You know, he does the physicality and all that kind of stuff. But I know the ad's supposed to be funny. But there's no way the crew is going to act like they do when they see that because the actors don't see the special effects. Good night, our doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Okay, so I'm not going to go along. Uh, this has been the Halloween episode of Timland Radio. Hey, I've actually done an episode every week this month. I haven't done that in a while. So anyway, be skeptical and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dimfit Simmons on Timland uh, Radio on Talk Radio, reminding you all to sleep with the lights off. See you next week. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, I'm going to hell. hell.